Here is a sermon message from Somerville Community Baptist Church. To hear more sermons like this, please visit iloveSCBC.org. Well, good morning, church. Welcome to the online service of Somerville Community Baptist Church. I'm David Lee, your lead pastor here. I hope you are doing well, staying safe and healthy. Especially those who have joined our service, online service, for the first time. I would welcome you in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of Holy Spirit. Many of you know we are preparing and planning on the reopening of our church beginning on the month and the month of May. Okay? So we'll be very limited. We'll still have live streaming, but I'm gonna ask you to pray for all the community members, those who are working really hard right now to preparing for the safe service of our church. Beginning of May, I'm really excited to see no more this empty pews anymore. At least you'll be able to see few people. I know your, your half of your face will be covered by masks, but still, oh, I can't wait to deliver the message of God with the people here experiencing this active spirit that has been you know, in and out of this service. So, but anyway, so welcome to our service. Uh, we've started our new series um, called Kingdom Reality. Last week, uh, we talked about the kingdom reality based on one particular very important parable. That is the parable of mustard seed. We learn that the kingdom of God is not just a geographical place that we go after we die. It's an eternal place that we can always enjoy upon our faith that is in our Lord Jesus Christ. But kingdom of God, that Jesus Christ has been really teaching the people and to us and his disciples, is a lot deeper and a lot broader and a lot more than just a place that we go and enjoy the rest of our life. In fact, and his ministry, Jesus Christ's public ministry, has been always centered around this main one theme that is the kingdom of God. I taught you last Sunday the first words, official statement that he made after he started his public ministry is what? The time has been fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come here. So repent, receive good news. That is the message of the gospel. And ever since that, his ministry has been always, always centered around this very important one theme that is the kingdom of God. So we learned last Sunday, the kingdom of God is not only the place that we go after we die, that we enjoy our eternal life, but kingdom of God is here. The same way that all the mustard seed was scattered, not much of caring, it will really grow like we and scatter a whole field during the springtime of Israel, still, right now. In the same way, the kingdom of God is here, where we are in our ordinary life. Also talked about the kingdom of God as like a small mustard seed. If we can put the little tiny act of generosity, little tiny act of hospitality, God can use your generosity and your small tiny act of hospitality to fulfill His amazing and His greater work that you can ever Imagine how we talked about that is also perhaps the true meaning of kingdom of God. 
As we continue on our teaching on this kingdom of God, you know, my goal and my prayer for you and me is not only have this traditional understanding, very narrow and very weak understanding about the kingdom of God, and we can actually expand, we can actually deepening our understanding about the true meaning of the kingdom of God that Jesus Christ really want you and me to embrace so that we can apply that meaning to our lives so we can live here as a true kingdom citizen, okay? So today, we continue on our study series on this uh, kingdom reality, and I want to actually talk about two very short, simple, and a surface meaning, but it's very deep and the true meaning about those two parables. The parable of treasure, the parable of pearl. I'm sure many of you heard and learned that passage. Uh, the, the passage that I'd like to share with you, today's passage is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, um, verses 44 through 46. That's one of the reasons that I like about this parable. Two parables in three verses, very short, okay? But never let this size or length of this uh, parable fool you that, well, this is a very simple story. The kingdom of God, I've learned, I've heard, I know what that is. And well, I'll challenge you and see if you really know the true meaning of this two parable. The scripture is taken from the gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything that he has and buys that field. Again, second parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it with his great joy. For this is the word of our Lord. Now, let me just take a few moments to set the context to help you understanding more and deeper about these two meanings, true meaning of these parables, okay? Always when you read a Bible, you got to have a habit of understanding or interpreting that passage, that certain verse under the certain context. So this passage here is actually given Almost half of this entire Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. And without a doubt, I know and I'll tell you, this chapter 13 is a key theme chapter, okay, of this entire Gospel of Matthew, which can summarize whole Gospel of Matthew with one chapter, that is chapter 13. Because it talks about the kingdom of God, and kingdom of God, kingdom of God. This particular chapter, chapter 13 of Gospel of Matthew, it has seven parables of Jesus Christ. Can you believe that? This chapter, it, it consists of the seven parables of Jesus Christ. And six of them particularly begin with this phrase, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like. In fact, do you know this kingdom of God is a very important phrase and theme and throughout this entire the New Testament Bible. 
In fact, it's about 122 times this phrase, the kingdom of God, being used, the entire New Testament. And out of 102, 99 times of this phrase, kingdom of God, being used in the synoptic gospels, which are gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Out of those 99 times of this phrase, 90 times that Jesus Christ used to explain, to hope that he'll be able to really give the true meaning of the kingdom of God. See that? That is a key theme of his public entire ministry that he, was, he will be able to teach and help the people, disciples, understanding the true meaning of kingdom of God. And do you know how many parables that he used to teach um, the people throughout the Synoptic Gospel, the three books in the Gospel? I told you before, last Sunday, about three, 43 parables. And how many parables actually talks about the kingdom of God? 13. 13, almost one-third, 13 out of 43 parables, it talks about the kingdom of God. And out of 13, six of them here specifically begins with kingdom of God as light. See that? That's why it's a really important chapter. And I would encourage you, when you go home, to read this entire chapter of this, uh, you know, the chapter of the gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 13, so that you'll be able to really understand the deeper meaning of Jesus Christ's main theme on his public ministry, that is the kingdom of God. Okay? Now, chapter 13 begins with Jesus Christ walking on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and then all of a sudden, recognizing him, all oh, these multitudes of the crowds are start gathering around him. And he gave them this first parable, and that is in this chapter, the parable of good soils. In other words, parable of four soils. Remember that parable? Right? The, the farmer scattered the seeds, and some actually scatter on the pathway, others on rocky soil, others on this thorn soil, on the last one. It fell on where? The good soil, which can actually multiply, you know, the more and more and, and more. When Jesus Christ finished preaching using his favorite way that is called a parable, parable of four soils. After his preaching, his disciples actually were coming to him with, his, with their little bit of frustration and asking him, Lord, why you are using this parable a lot? The meaning it's a simple story, but we don't get the point. Why you were talking about, you know, this scaring and sowing the seeds on this soils, all different type of soils. We know. I mean, there are all different type of soils. We can see every day in our life why you are telling this to us. With Jesus Christ's caring and loving and compassionate heart, he's gathering his disciples and teaching them those rest of the chapter about six Parable that starts and begins with the kingdom of God is light. The first parable is a parable of the wheat and weeds. Okay. And the second one is a parable of the mustard seed we talked about. And the third one is a parable of the east. Okay. And then the, the fourth one is a parable of hidden treasure being followed by the parable of purr. The last one is a parable of the net. Okay, those 
six parables that Jesus Christ is using to teach his disciples about truth, about the kingdom of God. Okay? So with, with that in your mind, so let's begin to unpack this very short but important parables about the kingdom of God. The first one, I'm sure many of you know, is a parable of treasure. A man was perhaps working in a field and found the treasure and he starts seeing the great value on that treasure. Buried it again and went back and sold everything that he had with his great joy and bought not only that portion of the field, but entire field that has this invaluable treasure box or a treasure chest, whatever that is, right? That's the first parable. The second parable pretty much similar and has also same, a little bit slightly different meaning. The same parable is there is a merchant who's always pursuing intentionally, finding the better pearl, better great germ, you know, this jewelry called pearl. And he went to the one market and he found out this amazing value, the pearl of great value. And he was willing to, with great joy, sell everything that he had to buy that one pearl of great value. That's it, right? We all know that point. I'm sure the the, this, the proper or the traditional interpretation of this, many of you understand as this, right? This treasure is the gospel message or Jesus Christ. And we are the worker or this pearl of great value is the gospel message or no, Jesus Christ. And this merchants, we are the merchant, right? And when we find the Jesus Christ, when we find this great value that is hidden in this message of the gospel, now we are with great joy willing to sell everything and buy that the pearl or the treasure. So a lot of tra traditional translation or interpretation is this. You know what? If Christ is in you, if you receive Jesus Christ, you're willing to give up everything. You're willing to sell everything and follow Jesus Christ. I'm sure some pastors really preaching this, especially when they are to decide their tithings and offerings. You see that? Christ is in you. Is Christ at the center of your life? All right, then give up everything. Now is the time for you to give your pledge or offering. Well, while I'm okay with that interpretation, I don't think that it's really deeper and true meaning of this passage or this parable. That's not what really Christ is teaching the disciples and to us as well. Because if you take a look at the context of this Matthew chapter 13, all men who are working and fishermen who are also working to catch, they, they, they represent God, okay? The first parable, this man who's been sowing and the seeds in different soil, the man, farmer, represent God. Another farmer who's actually sowing the seed of mustard, that farmer represent God. The mustard seed represent us, Okay? The last one, the parable of, parable of net, the fisherman represent God who is catching fish that represent us. The net that is representing our Lord Jesus Christ. You see that all this man who is working is representing God, so applying that to our um, parable. I believe the man who is working in that field, that is our God. Who is working there, right? And then God found this hidden Treasure. So let's talk about the treasure. It is hidden and it is completely lost. 
right? Otherwise, there's no way this man will be able to buy this land from the owner of this land who probably knows what is buried. By the way, at that time, this burying treasure is very common, especially your wealthy man. You know, there is no bank. There is no safety deposit or the safe. So what you do, it's not in your own yard, but the, the land that belongs, especially the field that you tend to bury your very valuable treasure. Part of the reason is that because of the lot of nations around, surrounding Israel, still there are a lot of you know, wars and invasions going on at the time, or severe wars and invasions you know, from the countries and nations surrounding Israel. There's so much of the wars and invasion going on. So perhaps, and then it was very common that you buried the treasure and then you perhaps died or told as a slavery you know, during that war or the invasion. So that's been left there, forgotten, completely lost. So let's apply to our life. What do you think? The things, the treasure that has been buried and lost completely in our world, in our human nation. What is it? What is the thing that has been completely lost and completely being hidden under the reign of this darkness of the evil spirit? What is that? That is us, you and me. See that? That's why this worker that represents God, who found the man, you and me, the man and woman of the people who are completely lost and suffering under the realm of the darkness. After he found it, I'm glad he did not, you know, to save this whole treasure. But he went and then sold everything with his great joy and came back to buy entire field. I'm grateful that you and I are not God. Think about that. If you and I, perhaps found the treasure box, very invaluable, expensive, you know, treasures, what you and I would do, we'll just pick up, <laughs> run away, and live the rest of our life prosperously. But God didn't do that. Applying that to our parable. He could have done that. He could have just easily, with his word, the same way that he created, your sins are all forgiven. Or he could have used his reasons of angels or the saints of our spiritual ancestor. Use them for this great work of the redemption, work of salvation. But he did not use that shortcut. Honoring his dignity, honoring his authority. He was, he actually, he chose the one of the proper, one of the most painful way. Went back, sold everything. What does that mean? Gave his the only son, Jesus Christ. Let Jesus Christ lay aside his glory as God. Let Jesus Christ lay aside his divine uh, identity, divinity, and became a human being in order to go to the cross to purchase our freedom, your freedom, and our forgiveness, and our redemption. He buys the world in order to save you and me, his people. That's why I believe that John writes in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, that he himself is a propitiation, meaning ransom or payment for our sin. And listen to this carefully. Not for ours only, but for those of the whole world. Amen. You see that? So let's actually reinterpret the, 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 the concept that I have given you. The God is the worker who's working there 
and then we are the lost, completely lost treasure. When he found a treasure, he did not choose shortcut, an easy way. He's chosen the one of the most painful way, selling everything, that putting Jesus Christ on a cross to save you and me. Why did he do that? Why he said that is the kingdom of God, and I believe the kingdom of God is realizing or you and I start awaring and embracing true value that you and I have in God. Understanding how valuable you are to God. Embracing how beloved we are by God. To the point that he was able to, willing to give up everything. Willing to give up everything with his great joy. See that? That is the true kingdom of God. The lesson from this first parable is that, that we are to understand the true value that is in God. That's how we begin the kingdom of God. In other words, the beginning of the kingdom of God is understanding our true value that is in God. Now, in a similar way, the very same message, the second parable is this. The merchant represents who? Our God, Right? But difference from the first parable is that this merchant, or is our God, this time is intentionally pursuing. Perhaps there's more need and more excited, more excitement going on, but intentionally pursuing this uh, pearl, the only pearl of great value. When he found it the same way, he, found, he sold everything to purchase and acquire this one pearl. That pearl represents us. Now, the difference between the first and second parable, the first parable is given to the people of Jew Israel. Why? The treasure, many times in the Old Testament book, the Israel people being described as a treasure. And on top of that, at that time, Israel people, they really value gold. They really value other germs and jewelries. But they did not value on pearl. Okay, they consider pearl as just part of oyster. It's not just something that is a lot of value on it. On the other hand, Gentiles, the nation around Israel, the Gentile people put a lot of value on this pearl. See that? So the first parable is goes to the nation of Israel. You know what? How much I value, how much I love you. I'm willing to give up everything for you. And then second parable and an extension of the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is not only for the people of Israel, also the people of the Gentile, whole world, you and me, someone like you and me, who considers the, knowing the value of this prayer and willing to sacrifice everything, laying down Jesus Christ on the cross. To save you and me as well. See that? The kingdom of God, it really begins here on realizing your value, your identity, and your self, your, your self, your self value as well. How much we are valuable to God and how much that we are beloved by God. That's the beginning point of the kingdom of God. But unfortunately, a lot of people have lost their self esteem or self-confidence, or self-identity, right? On one of the TV shows that I actually came across a um, few years ago, um, it was actually about the TV show from Bernie Brown. You guys heard about that person, a um, great um, psychologist, and also she, she's a, the bestseller of a lot of great books. 
varying greatly. Uh, if you haven't read that, I, I truly encourage you to read that book, Varying Greatly. The subtitle of that book is How the Courage to Be Vulnerable Transforms the Way We Live, Love, Parent, and Lead. Second book also I recommend to you to read is The Gift of Imperfection. But anyway, so I was listening to his, her talk show, the Brene Brown, and she was really talking about why some people are able to easily connect with others and while others cannot, okay? Because she has done an amazing work. She's been interviewing the thousands of the people on that specific topic. And she said this, the difference that she discovered between the people who cannot connect can connect with others and people who cannot connect with others was that the people who can connect with others have, listen to this, courage to be themselves. Not pretending who they are, but courage to be themselves. You know, have the true courage to be vulnerable to others, to have true courage to not to be who they think they should be, but to be who they really are. She puts it this way, though. What makes us vulnerable makes us beautiful. Okay? And she discovered that the people who are able to connect, they all share one thing, very important thing, that they are convinced that they are worthy of being loved, that they are worthy of belonging to their family or to their group. See that? And I believe that's what exactly the beginning of kingdom of God. The value that God has given you through his sacrifice. The value that God had shown to you by letting himself through Jesus Christ. Crucifying on the cross. Shed the last drop of the blood. And that's how much God loves you and me. I believe these two parables really teaching us, you know what the kingdom of God is you, you know, regaining or re-embracing or re-be-awaring about your true value. That is in Christ. That is in God. You are so valuable person like the treasure. You're so valuable person like this great pearl that God was willing to give up everything even to Jesus Christ. To have you back, to have I Think about that. You know, the more I understand that I am our God's treasure, invaluable treasure, the more I understand that I am my, you know, God's pearl of great value, the more the value that I can acquire, the more free of this, all the other negative thoughts in my day-to-day life. You know, these words by showing comparison that I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, perfect enough. What I'm doing is not quite, you know, prideable or the prideful. But when we see through this lens of our God, given what he has done in our lives, we are truly, truly valuable. Amen. That's why Jesus Christ said here in Gospel of Luke chapter 12, he says this, are not five sparrows sold for two cents? So five sparrows are just priceless, pretty much. They are not valuable. Yet, not one of them is forgotten before me. In other words, God never loses track of a even single sparrow. Indeed, the very hairs of you and my head are all numbered by God. 
like our stalker or something. That's how much he cared for you. That's why Jesus Christ said, do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. True kingdom of God begins when you realizing and regaining your self-value, your self-identity that is in Christ. Let me wrap up my sermon by giving you this story. You know, story of father, amazing story. A few days ago, I came across this uh, newsletter article uh, by the title of Boston Marathon Icon Dick Hoyt died at the age of 80. So I thought this person was kind of, uh, you know, the, the professional or legend runner of the Boston Marathon. But as I was reading the article about his story, my eyes are start open wide. And then soon after, I have tears on my eyes. So let me just give you a very, very brief version of his story with his son. When his son, Rick, was, um, you know, was born, he was born with a lot of complication and disability. Because the core that the baby, the son, and the mother connected, somehow it's kind of uh, strangled you know, the baby's neck and sign. That resulted in the lacking providing the oxygen to the brain for a few minutes. So he was born with pretty much paralyzed halfway down. He couldn't use his leg, and he can barely use his you know, very disabled hands. Couldn't talk, um, but his brain functions really fine, and other old organs as well. This is parents of Lick and his wife trying to push him into the normal life considering he could leave his normal life. Very brave, very brave parents. And they were pushing him through this public school. When Rick was 13 years old, um, this, uh, the Tufts University Engineering Department, they were able to build a personalized computer for him so that he was able to communicate with his parents through this electronized voice, the computer voice. The parents were really excited, you know, oh my God, I, and now I hear, I can really communicate with my son for the first time for the last 13 years. And they were expecting, they're probably, he's probably going to say, uh, hi mommy, hi daddy, I love you. But you know what? The first, the words that came out of his computerized voice, his mouth, this is the, what he said the very first time after 13 years. He says, go Bruins! Go Boston Bruins, you know, our ice hockey team. Because at that time, our Bruins were on the final and standing cup. Soon after, they realized that this, my son and their son, is really into this sport. And then a few years later, Rick suggested his father, Dick, that, you know, they can actually do five miles running. Pretty much, the dig is actually pushing the specialized wheelchair. And then while the Rick is actually sitting on the wheelchair, and that they were able to. The race, uh, they were able to finish the five miles race by also raising the great funds to help those who are disabled. That's how he, they began this Tim Hoyt. That's how they began their whole journey for the next 40 years. That's how the chain, this uh, father's life and the son's life being completely changed. For the next 40 years, the Dick and Rick together, they completed the full marathon, 72 times. 1981, they completed the first marathon. 
And after that, they were able to complete the full marathon 72 times together while he's pushing this wheelchair and triathlon that requires swimming, bicycling, and also running the marathon. They were able to complete 257 times together, both father and son. The total of 1,130 races throughout the 40 years of journey. When, in, when they were having this triathlon, you know, when, they, when, when Nick was swimming, uh, Nick was on the small boat, the specialized boat, and he was pulling and swimming. When they were on this um, marathon, he was just keep pushing as he was uh, running. That's how they were able to complete this amazing number of the marathon being together throughout the next 40 years of journey. After he retired from all these races, he wrote a book called Devoted. And I'm going to ask you to also read a book, especially if you have any disabled children or your relatives. This is a word of great encouragement that you can do anything if your will is there. And we are Christian if the will of God is there. In that book, as I was reading, this, this, this quote really came to my mind as if God, my Father God, is telling me. And I read this quote from this book, Devoted. He said that I quote, it's been an incredible journey. I'm not a hero. I'm just a father. And all I did was tie on a pair of running shoes and push my son in his wheelchair. And as I was reading that, I felt like God, as my, my father and your father, Abba Father was telling me, I know I'm, I'm God. I'm God of sovereign, God of almightiness. I create whole world and universe. But when it comes to my relationship to you, I'm not a hero. I'm just a father. You know, all I did was tie my pair of running shoes through this spiritual journey. So as you are going through a difficult time, I'm always with you and pushing you as my son and my daughter in this wheelchair where the special circumstances. As if God was telling me about who he is in relationship with me. He's my amazing God, who is almighty, omnipotent, and omniscient. But when it comes to me, my relationship is my Abba Father. He said, I love you so much. The way I want to show you my love, let me do this. I'm going to sell everything. I'm going to sell everything, not only for my people of Israel, but the whole world, people of Gentile, and every human being, every single human being. I am willing to sell everything. That is my Lord Jesus Christ. That is uh, his son, my son, Jesus Christ. And I want to buy you and purchase you for that payment. That's how much value that God is putting in you. He's been putting in you. I hope that the message of these two parables is you and I understanding the kingdom of God is starting and beginning as we are to embracing, acknowledging, and also regaining true value that is in Christ. Realizing that how valuable we are to Christ. How we love that we are by our Christ and God. I know many of you are struggling with your own self-esteem issues. Perhaps you feel like I'm nothing. Look at what I'm doing. Look at my family. Look at the, you know, the money that I'm making. Look at the, the service that I'm doing at the church. I'm really nothing. No, you are the most valuable treasure. You are the most valuable pearl when it comes to God's view. 
That's who you are. That's who I am. That's how we find our kingdom. That's how we begin our kingdom. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our Father God, may we continue to open our eyes, open our ears, to see the true value that you have been imposed in us so that we can continue to live our life extending the kingdom of God here in this church, this community, our family, and this society. We pray for all in our Lord Jesus Christ, the only Savior's name. Amen.